0: to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the word together, Sunday mornings at nine and 11 a.m. We meet at one, two, three, four, four, West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott.
1: So today we're back in Jude, brother of James, half-brother of Jesus. But he proclaims in that introduction again to be a bond servant of Christ. He didn't look at it and say, Jesus is my brother. Ah, no, I serve him. I am a servant of him. And uh, again, not to dismiss this little book, and as I've told you, as we've studied and prepared, that's why it went from one message to five, and we could probably even stress it out longer than that, uh, but I encourage you to study it, reread it, and, and go through it. This gives us yet another reminder as we're studying this book that the Old Testament, all of God's word is profitable. All of God's word is for us um, to, to, to apply and to read, and, and it's valid for us today. It's not just about the New Testament. It's the old and new together, the fullness of God's word. A couple of weeks ago, we were in verses five through seven, and the book as a whole encourages us to contend for or fight for our faith as we live in the end times. Warning us that apostasy, that is, is those who will renounce faith is going to increase in the end times. And we're seeing that in our world today. And as we referred to the, the wide gate and the narrow gate, and we have an abundance of false teachers that are leading people down a wide path in the, the wrong direction, away from God. We've got to make sure that we're going on the right path, that we're not heading to destruction, that we're, we're even seeing that, that, that wide path and that destruction increase even here in Lakewood in our own city, in our own community with pastors and leaders who are bowing down to social pressures and being woke. And in that they're dismissing the very core principles of God's word of the gospel message. We talked about the sins of certain men last time and this week we start addressing more sins starting with the characteristics of these dangerous certain men. So verse eight, yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh, reject authority and revile angelic majesties. Yet, in the same way, last time, Jude connected these certain men with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah in their sensuality, defiling the the flesh, rejecting God's authority. And as Jude points out, these certain men reject authority. They even reject those who God puts in authority. That movement of rejecting authority in our country, it really ramped up in the 60s and the 70s, and it's increased exponentially in the last 10 years. Our society encourages us to reject and to question authority. Unless, of course, you're a Christian and you reject and question liberal authority or ungodly agendas. But they otherwise, they tell us to question everything. How many of you like a good uh, salad bar? Anybody? Good salad bar? Jason's Deli has a good salad bar. Right? You can go down there. You can choose whatever you want. Kind of pick and choose. Take it from here and there. Really, though, we can do this with the Bible as well. A lot of people do. They, they pick and choose and to believe only certain passages. We can do it with our belief system and, and, and choosing at the salad bar of belief. What shall I believe? And that's that mix where people want to think we can coexist. We can't coexist. God's word is the truth. We can't make our own rules We can't decide we're not going to recognize the proper authorities that God has established. In the darkest days of Israel, society was characterized by a term found in the last part of Judges 21-25. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Sound like the news this week? It's the same. sounds just like today. This is the pattern of thought and behavior in our world, especially in Western civilization. Everyone just does what they want, right? The whole Nike swoosh thing, just do it. That's become our society's mentality. Dreaming, here it is possible that Jude meant that certain men were out of touch with reality, but it's more likely that he meant they claimed to have prophetic dreams, which were really deceptions, and they lived and espoused these fantasies. They weren't living in reality. They reject authority. They revile angelic majesties. The New King James says that they speak uh, evil of dignitaries. It's most likely this reference to the apostles and the other leaders of the church. And their rejection of authority of God was connected, connected them to speaking evil of the leaders. So another question is, who am I? I'm Scott. Scott, do I have tangible physical authority over your life? No, I don't. Other than the designation as pastor where spiritual authority is given biblically and God and his word would validate and support that, I have no ability to say something that would cause you to say or do something that you do not choose to do. Right? I don't have that authority got to remember that all authority though comes from the throne of god whether it's in the authority in the home the church or the state those who exercise authority must first be under authority accountable to god we all need to be accountable to god you are all you all have an authority over something over someone you have an ability right but we have accountability to god first and our relationship with god has to be in place That's also a good reminder that God will use those in authority, the righteous and the unrighteous, to exact his will in his creation. The leaders that are running, almost said ruining, running our country right now have been appointed by God to exact his will. How many of you just love that? We don't, do we? But biblically, we need to respect it. And we need to do what we're supposed to do, take care of what we're supposed to take care of in sharing the hope that we have. Here he's pointing out false teachers reject divine authority. They set themselves up as their own authority. Should I sin that grace may abound? These false teachers turns God's grace into a reason for pride, for lust, for immoral living. They let it go unchecked. If they taught and encouraged others to do that, it would justify what they wanted to do. Oh, no, we're going to teach this thing. That way we can do what we want and get away with it because that's the right thing. They straight up deny that Jesus was God and the Savior and we've got to watch for this today. We've got to know where the teaching is coming from. You know, when we went through, through COVID, people were sending me video after video after video and government overreach and riots and all these different things. You've got to watch this. You've got to watch it. No, I don't. No, you need to do a lesson. and You need to do a message on this and this. No, we're in the book of Acts. We're good. And you know what? Every Sunday, God's word spoke to where we were. So can we stay focused on that? Can we not look for things in other places? People have sent me videos that are like 15 years old. Oh, this is happening today. Mm, No, it's an old video. And I'm not watching a 90-minute video again. Um, Pay attention to who you're listening to and what they're espousing. You don't need all the other junk. Pay attention to God's word. Amen? Sorry, that's not in there. Where was I? All right, we've got to watch for this today. And, and these, these false teachers were contaminating the church with the goal of destroying it. And there are many today that are doing the same thing. Those false teachers are coming in. They're bringing doctrine that is demonic, that's purely evil. And we've got pastors who I've heard from people who visit the church. They went and visited some other churches and they're like, man, they, they read one scripture at the beginning and then it was just story time. No, it's about God's word. It's about God's grace. It's about the cross. Where there is disobedience and unbelief, and unbelief there will be judgment. So the question to you is, do you understand God's authority? Are you in submission to God's authority over your life? He has authority over your life. He is the Lord. Not, not submission to me or anything I say, but, but reading and applying to God's word to your personal daily life. And thinking about your speech, how is your speech? Are you speaking arrogantly as you despise God's authority? You just got to back up. Got to make things right with the Lord. So as you speak, you're speaking as as if it's the words of God, not your own. We don't always agree. Everybody in this room agree with me? (laughs) Well, maybe on that point. We don't always agree, but that's okay. And what do we do with that? Verse 9, but Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil, he argued about the body of Moses. Did not dare pronounce against him a, a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Even the archangel Michael did not dare rebuke Satan, but he respected the authority given to him by God. That name Michael means who is like God. Ironically, Satan said in his rebellion, I will be like the most high. And his offer to men started in the garden and is still being offered today. You shall be as gods. Angels. We hear a lot about angels in our world, in our society. Angels are personal spiritual beings who have intelligence. They have emotions. They have will. It's true of both good and fallen angels, evil angels. They're They're demons. Angels possess intelligence, they show emotion, they exercise free will. Angels are spirit beings without true physical bodies. And although they don't have physical bodies, they are still personalities, and occasionally they do take the form. Remember, even Scripture says, be careful, you might be entertaining an angel. They're created beings, their knowledge is limited. It means they don't know all the things that God knows. They do seem to have a greater knowledge of humans but that's probably due to one of three things. First, they were created as an order of creatures higher than humans. Therefore, they innately possess greater knowledge. Second, the angels know what God's word said. They know what's in it. And third, they gain knowledge through long observation of human activities. Unlike humans, angels do not have to study the past. They've experienced it. They've lived through it. So they know. They know how others have acted and reacted in situations. They can predict with greater degree of accuracy how we might act in a similar circumstance. This is also true of the devil, of, of the demons. They, they've observed mankind for thousands of years and they know a great deal of how man falls and fails and what to do. And though angels have wills, angels, like all creatures, are subject to the will of God. Good angels are sent by God to help believers. And what do angels do? What's their job? This is an awesome study. They praise God. They worship. They rejoice in what God does. They serve God. They appear before God. They're instruments of God's judgment. They bring answers to prayer. They aid in winning people to Christ. They observe the Christian order, work, and suffering They encourage in the time of danger. They care for the righteous at the time of death. Angels are an entirely different order of being than humans and listen, when you die, you don't become an angel. You're not gonna be a chubby little cherubim up floating on a cloud. That's not what it is. Human beings don't become angels. Angels will never become and never were humans. And nowhere in the Bible does it tell us, still listening, to pray to angels. Don't pray to them. Pray to God. Ask God to send some angels. Don't pray to them. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that angels are created in the image and likeness of God as we are. Angels are spiritual beings, and they can, to a certain degree, take that physical form. Humans are primarily physical beings with a spiritual aspect, but we can't just transform to be an angel. That's not what it's about. The greatest thing that we can learn from the holy angels is this. There's those angels. They're there for God, right? What do they do? It's unquestioning, instant obedience to God's commands. That's what we can learn from the angels. They call. God calls, they're there. They worship and we got Michael the Archangel, he's the angel of the highest rank. He's a warrior. He's among the angelic beings faithful to God who are the servants of God and man. Then we have the devil. The devil is an angelic being as well, and he led those other beings in rebellion against God. They are the enemies of God and the enemies of man. They want to see us destroyed. They're invisible. There are invisible angelic beings all around us even this morning. They're ministering spirits sent by God to assist us. There's also demonic spirits that are sent to defeat us. The devil cannot unsave a Christian, so don't worry about that. Once you're saved, you're saved. You're in God's protection in his hand. Doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to attack, though. Through deceptions, he can corrupt and defile a Christian who is supposed to be walking in purity and in freedom. The devil wants, to the devil, we are time bombs ready to wreck his work. Bombs that he wants to defuse and make ineffective. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And remember, he does that in different ways. He doesn't have to just break your leg, throw you to the ground. He just needs to turn your head a little bit, get you distracted from where God wants you to be. and begin to gradually pull you away. I told you in the past, there's many people that don't believe that the devil exists I was at a memorial service that I did years, a few years ago and I was talking with a pastor that I knew who made the statement that, no, the devil's not real, hell is allegorical and that's the way he was leading his congregation. And that's very dangerous. They don't even believe what the Bible says. And some, if they believe that The devil exists. They think of him in funny images like the Middle Ages. Back then, miracle plays were a chief form of entertainment. It's sort of a pageant where religious stories were acted out on the stage, and the audience learned to look for one character that was always behind him. His shoes looked like cloven hoofs. He had a pitchfork in his hand. The audience was amused by the silly characterization of Satan, got the idea that it was some sort of comical character. The devil doesn't mind being thought of this way whatever you can do to, to deceive. because he is a beautiful being. God created him, not Hollywood. Hollywood didn't create what the devil looks like. So be careful. Clark said, let it, let it be observed that the word archangel is never found in the plural number in the sacred writings. There can only be properly only one archangel, one chief head of the angelic host nor is the word devil as applied to great many of mankind ever found in the plural. There can only be one monarch of fallen spirits. So in this, they argued about the body of Moses. It's another obscure reference by Jude. The last time we read about the body of Moses was in Deuteronomy 34, 5, and 6, and it stated that when Moses died, he was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, but no one knows where. Even today, they don't know. We don't know why there was a dispute about the body and some have said the devil wanted to use Moses' body as an object of worship to lead Israel astray into idolatry. Others thought that Satan wanted to desecrate the body of Moses and claimed a right to it because Moses had murdered an Egyptian. However, it's more likely the devil anticipated God's purpose, God had a plan for Moses, for his body and the devil tried to defeat that plan even. That's been the plan of the devil from the beginning. He wants to defeat us any way we can. He wants to defeat God. We know after his death, Moses appeared in the bodily form in the transfiguration in Matthew 17, one through three. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them on the high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun. His garments became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared with them talking with him. It's possible that Moses and Elijah are also the two witnesses of Revelation 11. We talked about that. But for Jude, the main point isn't why Michael was disputed, but it was how he disputed with the devil. Do not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. First, we see that Michael was in a battle, and second, we see that he battled in the Lord's authority. Bachman says this. He says, this proves to us that Michael is not Jesus, as some would teach and heretical um, groups of thought. Jesus rebuked the devil in his own authority. Michael did not. The point of contrast is that Michael could not reject the devil's accusation on his own authority. And this ties us into Ephesians, personally, the very beginning of putting on the whole armor of God, where it says in Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and the power of my might. No, his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We can't do it on our own. Significantly, Michael did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment. Michael didn't mock the devil. He didn't accuse the devil. God hasn't called us to judge the devil or condemn the devil, to mock him or to accuse him, but to battle against him in the name of the Lord. And don't go looking for it. There's a band out there. I don't know why I say this. If I tell you guys I listen to this band, you'd be like, oh, Pastor Scott. This band, it's a Christian band called Demon Hunter. And they've got some pretty amazing lyrics and songs and and a focus on really spiritual life. And they're not out hunting demons. But the point being, don't be a demon hunter. You don't want to do that. You don't want to ask for that. You don't need to have a conversation with the devil. Right? We do it just like Michael the archangel did. The Lord rebuke you. I don't got time for that. And you focus in on the Lord. I've spent the last 10 years unraveling what I was taught because I was part of the Pentecostal movement and part of, of the charismatic movements that were going on. And man, I was all in. I was all in. And as I began to, to actually hear and apply God's word to my life in context, I started having to change my doctrine and my theology just went bam, boop, out the door. We started over, flesh, fresh slate relying on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, not me working people into a lather or trying to wind up and let loose the Holy Spirit like a top or tell the devil and demons where to go. And this is a whole different message we could do as having a conversation with somebody before service about this very thing. Guys, we do have authority. The devil doesn't have authority over our lives, but we don't need to talk to him about anything. The Lord rebuke you. In Jesus' name. We don't need to address it. Satan and his minions can go do their thing. But we do have authority through Jesus Christ and through the blood that was shed. Amen? If you have questions about that and you want to talk about it further, Nori's right back there. Now we're, we're, I'd love to chat with you. So if you want to chat, just let me know. All right, so even though today, we have people today that are screaming and yelling and at the devil, they're rebuking him, they're taking authority over him and they're missing the mark. Here's the reality. If we really could bind and rebuke the devil, why do we have to keep doing it? I mean, Jesus is gonna do it at, at the end, right? He's gonna cast him into the lake. <laughs> they're done. We can't do that. We try to do things. We could be like the seven sons of Sceva and come out naked and bleeding. we don't have that peace. Let God do it. For now, we lean on the word. We lean on the power of his might. And when Jesus was tempted in in the desert, what did he do? He responded with scripture every single time, didn't he? So what should we do when we're tempted, when we're battling, when it's spiritual war? Scripture. Find the scripture. What scripture applies? Where are those promises? What does God's word say about it and apply it? So the question for you then this morning is, are you using your words and your might trying to put the devil in his place? Or are you using God's word and God's might? That's what we need to rest in. With Jude, this relates to the certain men by how much more line of thinking. If Michael did not dare to pronounce against him a railing judgment against the devil, and how much more should these certain men not speak evil of God and those he put in authority? Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. Jude continues with more bad character of certain men. Verse 10, these men revile the things which they do not understand, the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. But these things, they are destroyed. They revile, or the new King James says, speak evil. It's in contrast to Michael, who would not even speak evil of the devil. These certain men spoke evil, especially when they rejected authority and they spoke against the leaders of the church. These certain persons or men Jude referred to in, in verse four didn't even know the things or the people that they spoke evil about. They're just doing their own thing. Their evil speech was made worse by their ignorance. That's why it's best sometimes for us to just keep quiet, isn't it? If we don't know something, it's okay to be quiet. If we don't have all of the information. Remember when we were in James three, we talk about the power of the tongue. Um, I, I would encourage you to read uh, James 3, 1 through 6, but I'm just going to read verse 5. It says, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Our tongue is powerful. Can it be used for God's word and to build others up, or can it be used to tear down? Yes, both. So what are you using your tongue for? Their hearts are truly evil, and what was coming out of their mouth was evil, was demonic. So, they spoke against the dignitaries and rejected authority. And these certain men didn't know about true spiritual leadership and authority. So, they found it easy to speak evil against it. We've had people within this church in the last seven, eight years that I know of personally that have pushed back against biblical authority. They can't hear and receive anything, they had a spiritual or holy arrogance, these men. Jesus even said in Matthew 12, for the mouth speaks out of what fills the heart. Right, and even in Proverbs, out of the mouth the abundance of the heart flows. These men have infiltrated the church, and pretended to be spiritual, but their only knowledge was really natural or carnal, and their mind was corrupt. It was unspiritual. In calling them unreasoning animals or brute beasts, we see that they can still be smart. They can be clever. They can have instinct. They respond in instinct, but they don't have true spiritual knowledge. Kind of a pause here, a side note, it's imperative that we remember, we cannot expect those around us who are not believers to believe the way we do. That's not our expectation, right? We walk into that family meal over the holidays, you're a believer and everybody else is gonna pray and do what you do and no, they're probably not, especially if they're, they're really pushing back against God. The reality is, you, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit to share your faith if you can, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen every time. The majority of the time, you're, you're going to share hope just with gentleness and compassion, like Peter tells us, but you're going to do it quietly, and maybe it's just being there supporting and loving those that are lost. We cannot expect unbelievers to understand, so we pray for them when we patiently engage with the Holy Spirit leading us and see what God does, not what we try to force not in the flesh. Jude then gives us uh, three examples in the Old Testament of certain men who went astray. We have Cain, Balaam, and Korah. Verse 11, woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, for they pay uh, the for pay. They have rushed headlong into the air of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. And again, I can't wait to get in our study in Genesis. That's why I think it's going to take us more than 50 weeks. But I read these stories, and they're just amazing, and they come so alive. The two sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, they brought their offerings to the Lord. Cain, being a farmer, brought an offering for his harvest, and, and Abel, a shepherd, brought an offering from his flocks. God accepted Abel's, but he rejected Cain's sacrifice. The quick assumption is that it was rejected because it, it wasn't a, a blood sacrifice, it was grain. That's not the case. The real difference was between faith and unbelief. Hebrews 11.4 says, by faith, Abel offered to, to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, though through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. I mean, Cain, Cain's sacrifice was, was probably more pleasing to the senses, right? Grain than the carcass of a dead lamb and Although those of you that are hunters, you probably would disagree. You like the fresh smell of a butchered animal. I don't know. But Cain's sacrifice was offered without faith. It was a religious duty. Check the box. And it was unacceptable to God. So here's the thing. You can give to God whatever you have, whatever you are, but you've got to do it in faith for the right reason. Is your heart right as you're giving? Whatever it may be, don't buy into the religious thought of just checking the boxes, being a Pharisee. Let your relationship with God bring a genuine heart of love and of sacrifice. Then going the way of Cain, Genesis 4, 5 and 8, for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry. His countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and it desires its desires for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel, his brother, and he came about when they were in the field. Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and it killed him. Basically, it says that after God rejected his sacrifice, Cain was angry, his countenance fell. He became angry because he knew he was rejected by God, and in a fit of anger and rage, Cain murdered Abel and lied about it to God. Anybody ever lied to God? You know he can see through that, right? John repeats it in 1 John 3:12 that Cain murdered his brother because Abel's works were righteous by faith, while Cain's own were wicked. Cain's lack was not in works, but in faith. If his faith was there, he would have, God would have received. That offering, the way of Cain, it's a typical way that certain men follow in and in this way of unbelief and empty religion which leads to jealousy and persecution of truly godly people, it eventually leads to a murderous anger. Listen, unchecked sin in our hearts eventually leads to action which leads to death. And you can't imagine the loss, how deep that is. So when sin is there, get rid of it. Meet it head on. Don't let it go. Don't let it fester. If you recognize it, ask for forgiveness. Turn the other direction. Get back to where God wants you to be. There's no greater curse on the earth than empty, vain religion. And those who have a form of godliness but deny its power. It's no wonder that Paul added to that, from such people turn away. You know someone doing that? Get away from them the opposite direction secular humanism and atheism that's a threat to christianity but it's not as bad as dead religion it's dead religion that's sending many people to hell it's a religious thing people pastors that are removing the scriptures from the teaching on a sunday morning a dead religion dead religion is sending to people at a greater pace than anything else pay for they have rushed headlong into the era of Balaam. You can look at Balaam's story later in Numbers 22, 25, and 31. During the time of the exodus, Israel advanced into the land of Moab, and after defeating the, Amorite, the Amorites, uh, Israel, the Israelites came near to King Balak of Moab, and he sought help from a prophet named Balaam. The first delegation from King Balak arrived, and God told Balaam to have nothing to do with them. His initial words to Balaam were in Numbers 22, uh, verse 12. God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? After that first visit, though, the pressure increased. Another visit came from Balak and even more prestigious delegation came and they had great riches with them. Balaam wanted to go with him, and God did allow him to go. Balaam lusted after the riches and prestige and offered to him, and God gave him over to his own sin. You see, God has given you and I free will. We can choose to surrender all to God, to be obedient to his word, or we can take all that the world may offer and disregard God. Again, one way leads to heaven, that narrow path, that, that narrow gate And few will find it. Few will follow that narrow path. The other one leads to hell. It's a wide path. It's a wide gate. And many will follow it to their destruction. God let Balaam do what he wanted, but not without warning. God warned Balaam to turn back. And when he was on his way to see Balak, yet his heart was set on the rich reward. He saw the dollar signs. So he continued on. Balaam even ignored a talking donkey. I'm telling you, man, if a donkey's talking to me, I got to have to listen. If Gracie last night came into the house and started talking to me, we'd, I wouldn't be here this morning. <clears throat> My dog's talking to me. He didn't care. The donkey was sent to warn him to turn back. If you don't know the story, check it out in Numbers. Balaam even knew that he had done wrong. Numbers 22 through through verse 34, he said, I have sinned, if it displeases you, I'll turn back. He didn't do it. He didn't turn back. It was just lip service. He continued on, refusing to see that when God says no, we must take it as a no. Instead, God gave Balaam what his sinful heart desired. Listen to God's small, still voice when he speaks. God has told you something, listen. Don't let the flesh dictate anything other than obedience to God. Obedience to God. I beg you, I implore you, don't ignore it when God tells you something. Or you will carry that sin or that regret going forward. You can give it to God and he, he will redeem you. But don't even go there in the first place. Guard yourself, guard your heart, guard your mind. Don't ignore that voice of God, amen? After meeting with King Balak of Moab, Balaam prophesied over Israel four times, but as he spoke forth God's word, he didn't curse them, instead he blessed them each time. He couldn't do it. When he was unsuccessful in cursing Israel, he devised a plan and told Balak on how to bring Israel under a curse. Instead of trying to to have a prophet curse Israel, he should lead her into fornication and idolatry, and then God would curse disobedient Israel. So Balak did that very thing. He sent his young women into the camp of Israel to lead Israel into sexual immorality and idolatry. And because the people sinned, God did indeed curse them. He brought a plague of judgment on them. It killed 24,000 of them. Sin is right here, crouching at the door, waiting to devour us. We've got to push it back and battle it every day. Remember, your authority is in Jesus Christ. It's in the blood that was shed at the cross. You don't have to bow down to those temptations. Balaam was guilty of one of the greatest sins, deliberately leading others into sin. And what makes it even worse? He did it for money. And there are many Christians today who say that that they would, you know, I would die under persecution. I'll die for my faith. But yet when that dollar is waved in front of them, a large sum of money, then they would abandon Christ. There's not a single sin that corrupt men will not commit for the sake of money. Covetousness, greed. It's a dangerous sin that killed Jesus. 30 pieces of silver helped put Jesus on the cross. And our last example of men who went astray, the last part of verse 11, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Korah, Korah's story is found in Numbers 16. A prominent man in Israel, one day he came to Moses saying, you take too much upon yourself. For all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above, about the congregation of the Lord? You see, Korah and his followers, they resented the authority that God had given Moses and Aaron. Number sixteen, three. they assembled together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone far enough, for all the congregation are holy, every one of them. The Lord's in their midst. Why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? When Korah said this, Moses fell on his face, knowing God's judgment was gonna come. Moses then proposed a test. Each group took a censer for burning incense, came before the Lord, and the Lord himself would choose which man he wanted to represent him, Moses or Korah. When they both came before God, the Lord told Moses, back up, brother. Oh, snap. Here it comes. The ground opened up and swallowed Cora and his followers, and after that, fire came from heaven and burned up all of his supporters. They all perished. If you and I are having a conversation out in the foyer, and I start backing up <clears throat> I'm just kidding. Better think about it. Cora was a Levite, but not from the priestly fa- family of Aaron. As a Levite, he had his own God-appointed sphere of ministry, yet he was not content with it. He wanted a ministry and the authority that was given to Moses. He wanted that. Korah truly needed to learn an essential lesson that that we should work hard to fulfill everything God has called us to be. At the same time, we should never try to be what God has not called us to be. There are many times we put pressures on ourselves to be like somebody else or, or we desire all that they have and this happens in ministry all the time. It happens in our daily lives, in our work lives. Living in a secular world, we want that other thing. You know, I came in as pastor. You know, Pastor Nate was the pastor here, and he asked me to step in as senior pastor. I could not wear his shoes. I couldn't. He was a younger guy. I had young kids. I'm an older guy. I got grandkids. We don't wear the same shoes. We don't wear the same hat either. He's got the, I got the California vibe thing going. I don't know. I need to be who God has created me to be, not somebody else. I'm not Pastor Ed. I'm not Pastor Al Pittman. I'm not Dave Love. I'm Scott. I need to be who God has made me to be. I need to put my shoes on. And I tell the same thing with some of our leaders. that they step in uh, into these positions, they're not sure, well, I can't do what they did. Okay. <laughs> Can you put your shoes on? Can you minister as God has brought you to? Can you use your gifts and talents and abilities in this area? Be who God has created you to be. Don't try to be somebody else. Strive to fulfill all that God has given you to do to fulfill. Again, with Korah, it was a rejection of God's appointed leaders, especially God's appointed mediator. When the certain men rejected authority and spoke evil against dignitaries, they walked in the rebellion of Korah. These three men came from different backgrounds. Cain, a a farmer. Balaam, a prophet. And Korah, a leader in Israel. But it shows us that apostasy, that falling away from God, is never confined to one group of people. Skin color, wealth, status. It doesn't matter. There, There are apostates in pulpits. There are apostates in the palace and in the poorhouse. So make sure that you are listening to what God is telling you to do through his word. Cain refused to honor God and was the world's first murderer. Balaam missed, misled the people of Israel into idolatry for his own prophet and Korah led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron, challenging the Lord's anointed. Likewise, there's false teachers that are destroying men's souls for their own profit. They want all the authority. They want the power over people's lives. And it's happening today. So don't get caught up in the false teaching. Don't, don't go digging and looking for those YouTube videos that tickle your ears and make you feel good inside. It's not a hallmark faith. It's a real deal. In our passage today, we see the importance of the whole counsel of God's word. The Old Testament is just as important as the New Testament. It's an imperative that we all are every day in the word and praying and seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit so then we can walk out of those doors of our house and and we can walk out of the doors of this building and, and we can give a reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and compassion. As we indeed are living in the end days, the time is short and we have much to do. Don't become complacent. Stay focused on what God has you here to do. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and for the power of it. We thank you that every word was written for us to learn and grow from. We ask that you would guide us from the pitfalls of life. God, help us with that salad bar Christian, Christianity mentality to not uh, choose what is right in our own eyes, taking scripture out of context. Lord, help us to stay away from the fancy aspect and, and to live a genuine, healthy perspective um, with, with biblical precepts. Help us understand biblical authority and not speak arrogantly against God or those he puts in authority, those leaders, Father, even of our nation. Let us pray for them as your word says. Help us keep proper perspective of who angels are and demons are, remembering that you have all authority over them through Jesus Christ. We ask, Lord, as as Michael the archangel said, Lord, would you rebuke the devil from our lives? In Jesus' name, would you protect us from his attacks? God, help us to remember those around us, family, friends, even strangers that are not believers, that that we all have a different perspective. But Lord, our our belief system is there and it's based on the truth of your word that is unchanging. So Lord, help us to be observant as we have those conversations, to be loving and gentle and knowing that you are doing a work, not us. Give us the ability to love and extend grace to them. Knowing that in that, we keep walking up that narrow path towards our eternal destination. Just on the other side of that narrow gate, let us do what we can to bring others with us. Let us be obedient to you though in that.
0: This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org, that's foothillscalvary.org.